Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 75. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how you doing tonight? I don't... Who am I? Where am I? I tried to do that that, that trick that I pulled the other day for um, the Chicago game by taking a nap between periods two and three. And I took a nap before the podcast. And I napped maybe a few minutes too long because I have no idea where I am or who I am. <laughs> Those are the best naps when you wake up and you're like, I don't know what planet I'm on. Like It was 19 minutes max. And I have no idea what is up. Oh, I took like an hour nap. I I woke up and I was like, I didn't know what country I was in. It was bad. Like, it's great. Like, I feel a little bit more energized, but my God, I don't know what's happening. Oh, I need a beer. In There you go. In your days, do you have an addition for us? I do. Uh, we are the Brett Lindros edition. The good Lindros edition. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. There we go. He's the only one to I wear forgot. number 75. I forgot that he wore 75. Yeah. I don't know if he wore it for long. I think he changed numbers at one point, didn't he? No, he didn't. He stayed number 75. Played a whole 51 games, seven points. Did not last long. Poor guy. Concussions, no. man. They'll do that to you. Unfortunately, they that they will. They'll get you every time. Well, Mitch... It's been a fun week for our New York Islanders. They overtook first place in the Metropolitan Division mm. for the first time since 2014-2015. Just, I don't know. Sorry, let me let me scale that back now that I, I understand where I am and who I am and what day it is today uh, and the importance of the statement you just said. Um, okay, say that again, and I will react appropriately rather than just like, oh, yes. I have thoughts okay. on that, and I will say them in a respectful, calm manner. <clears throat> All right. For the first time since 2014-2015, the New York Islanders are in first place 
of the Metropolitan Division. <laughs> NHL, everyone thought we were going to be losers, but we're winners. <laughs> it almost ruined my mic stand. I thought you were going to rip it right off your desk. It's very, it's very flexible. Um, and my wife has not gone to sleep yet. She's in bed watching Friends, presumably. So she's not asleep yet. So I haven't woke anyone up. So, But yes, first place. Holy bleep. They're in first place. And with like three points in hand? Three, four? I forget now. I think it's four points in hand. Uh, good question. Well, the Capitals got one point. So it's three points, I believe. And they played tonight. got one also. It's yeah. tied 2-2 two, two between the Caps and the Maple Leafs. And if the NHL.com were to smarten up, um, there it is. Oh, no. Come on, NHL.com. Unbelievable the service they render. 63. There's three points up in the Capitals right now. Uh, and then we'll see what happens against them in Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay. So we'll keep you updated on that throughout the show. I'm, I'm sure we'll be checking in there mm-hmm. and seeing what's going on. But like I said, obviously in a bit of an announcer voice, but uh, for the first time since 2014-2015, which was the last year at the Coliseum, the Islanders are in first place. And this has to be the most unlikely thing to happen this NHL season so far. Like putting Islanders bias aside, this has to be the most unlikely thing that's happened. I'm just going through like my NHL Rolodex to see if anything else. The Montreal Canadiens aren't supposed to be any good. They're in a playoff position, so... There's that, but Buffalo was good for like a week and a half. That was kind of surprising. Yeah, they they ripped off a whole bunch of wins in a row, and then the band aid came off, and they're like, "Oh wait, we're not that great anymore." Um, but even then, Montreal's in a playoff position. The Islanders are the top of their division with three points ahead of the next team, which are the Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, and they also have Columbus and Pittsburgh in their division, which are two really good teams. Yeah. also. The- Pittsburgh won the last two cups before Washington won theirs. Um, yeah, Austin Matthews just scored. Boom, 3-2 Toronto. Um, I just... What is happening? So, yes, you're right. The most unheard of story or the most... How do you how did you say it again? I don't remember. Most unlikely. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. The most unlikely story is the New York Islanders. And there's a bunch of unlikelier stories within that. Like there's there's meta unlikely stories within the Islanders. Like Robin Leonard, WTF mate, where did that come from? I don't know, and I'm sure we'll get into that when we do the answering the questions from the start of the season segment. Right. But yes. Just just as an overall, the fact that I, I think we had to lead off the show with them being in first place and how unlikely that was. I think the most optimistic of fans said. All right, they could probably compete for a wild card spot. Yeah, yeah. Prob- I'm trying to think. Like, like right, that was the highest expectations that I saw in anyone. They could compete for a playoff spot, meaning a wild card. Yeah, and that's the that's not even saying like, oh, they're a lock for the wild card. No, they could be competitive for it, as in maybe not make the playoffs, and you should be like, eh, that, that's pretty much reached our expectations. They blew that out of the water. <laughs> they just they took it hostage and just. Well, no, I don't want to go there with that visual. It's, that was a very dark visual. But like they, they did some things to this this expectations that we had going into the season. Then they just made a mockery of it with their 63 points and 49 games so far. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. They shouldn't be where they are right now based off the expectations that we had on paper. And here they are in first place, a plus 25 goal differential. They're 7-2-1 in the last 10. 
Um, they're what like the fourth best team in the league record wise. Fifth, sorry, the fifth best uh, team in the league. They're two points off third place though. Okay. They could be the third best with 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 the win against Chicago. They could have been like maybe the fourth best team in the NHL. Right, and through what'd you say, forty nine games they played so far. Forty nine. Right? They are on pace for one hundred and five points, and which would be the most since uh, nineteen eighty two. What they do that year? Remind me again. In nineteen eighty. In 1982, they had I think won 16, and then they just never came close to that mark ever again. They, I think, the highest since then was uh, either 103 or 104. Uh, the answer I was going for was hoisted Lord Stanley's Cup for okay. the third time in a row. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying they will this year, but like their their best year since this good year has been a Stanley Cup winning year in the midst of a dynasty like they were a well-established dynasty they, they were still going to win another cup after this and go to a stanley cup finals after this right which that i think could probably lead into our next topic okay on today's show which is the competitive window one so i think we can kind of tie that into this conversation too yeah i think this is a larger discussion so i think we, we spend a good time on on getting our feelings how do you feel you you, you heard my feelings and i went bananas um, amazing i like i said i think i was a little bit lower on expectations for this year comparatively to you and the rest of the fan base i thought they'd be finish around the same amount of points that they did last year maybe a little bit less I definitely underestimated the effect of Barry Trotz. I thought long run it would be good, but I just didn't think the roster was good enough this year. I thought they'd be like, I don't know, 78, 80 points, something like that on the year. Yeah, and listen, you're not the only one. Everyone was undercutting. Even the optimistics were kind of like, yeah, he's going to have an effect. The roster isn't terrible. Um, they could be okay. Uh, not Barry Trotz can change, like revolutionize the wheel. Or, really, he didn't. He hasn't revolutionized the wheel. He's just, like, shown the Islanders, hey, hey guys, remember the wheel? This is what it does. And they we all, oh, my God, really? Of course. Like, I feel like we said with Robin Leonard, it, it was like, oh, if we can just get maybe, like, a 9.15 out of him, we'll be, that's fine. He has a 9.30. <laughs> we said league average. What? If he can get league average. And I don't have the numbers up right now. I'm going to get I think them. it's. 931 and 201 goals against. Oh, I'm not talking about his his numbers. Oh, just league average. I'm talking about league average cuz it, it's real bad. Not not real bad, but it's it's real low compared. Uh, I think it's like a 908 even. Let me it's pulling up right here. Okay, league average right now this year, save percentage 908, goals against average 286. Robin Leonard like you said is a 9 mm, 930. And it was a 202 last I checked, but that was before the game um, against the Blackhawks where he allowed two goals on how many shots was it? 38? 40 uh, shots? 40. 40. So that's gone down, I'm sure. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm, I'm positive it's gone down. I mean, he's just been unbelievable. And like like we said earlier, we'll get to him in more detail in a little bit. But opening up the conversation of the competitive window... The fact that, like Mitch was saying, what, comparing to the last time they had a season this good in the regular season was when they won their third Stanley Cup. And 
sure, I'm, I don't think that anyone's expectation is for this team to win a Stanley Cup, but the point is that expectations have been exceeded in year one and that the window is opening quicker than expected. So this team can be competitive, and by competitive I mean literally competing for the Stanley Cup a lot sooner than I think people would have originally thought. Which brings two thoughts to my mind. Um, excitement and uh, concern. And obviously I'm, I'm excited that they're they're a winning team. Look, at the halfway mark, so like I think it was even game 39, I think I wrote um, like wild expectations or I forget the, the, the term I use, like dark horse expectations for this team or things that this team could probably do but may not happen. And I said win an NHL a playoff round. At this point, you're like, they can definitely win a playoff round. Like, that's not unexpected. They could definitely win a playoff round. They will be seeded against a worse team than them. Right. Like, let's say they stay in the number one seed. Who's the first wild card right now, isn't it? Well, they wouldn't Montreal? be. They wouldn't get the first wild card. They would get the second wild card, right? Because Tampa has a better no. record than them. Right. So the Tampa would get the worst of the two wild Right. Cards. You're absolutely right. Sorry. Uh, it was Montreal at 59 points. Right, so then I feel like the Islanders would have pretty solid chances against Montreal in a seven-game series. I think so. Like, Carey Price is fine. Um, Shea Weber is already out injured. Uh, and the Habs are okay, but they're performing above expected. So are the Islanders. But the Islanders are performing at a different level than, than even the Montreal Canadiens are. Um, it would be an interesting series because it's two defensive-heavy coaches um, that preach, maybe not preach puck possession, but one preaches puck possession, the other does not. So it'd be it'd be interesting to see how they both go head to head. Well, we're getting lost amongst amongst the trees here. It's so for me, it's exciting that they're now in in a not in a win now mode, but they're in a we've established a winning culture in half a season, and we are now establishing a winning culture. Or did I just I just repeated myself? You just repeated yourself. Yeah, yeah. sorry. They've established a they've established a winning culture. They've established it in half a season, and now they're taking the next step, and they've only done it, and it only took them 49 games to do that. That's insane. Because right. think about it. One, you still have the trade deadline for this year. So I know you've been pretty outspoken about trading for rentals, and that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. But theoretically, it's still something that you can do, acquiring someone to, quote-unquote, go for a run. If Even if you don't do that, you still have over $30 million in cap space and the fifth best uh, pipeline in the league. Yeah, that's that's the excitement, right? Is that they have the pieces now and they have the pieces for later. And that's really, that. and that brings me to my concern is I don't want to make those let's go for it now moves. You don't need to go for it now. You can try to go for it. Obviously, try to go for it. Um, but don't sell off your future to move yourself up quicker now when you could because their whole plan isn't to win the Stanley Cup as soon as possible that's Toronto's plan Toronto's plan is win the Stanley Cup as soon as possible Um, the New York Islanders plan is to be a winning hockey team for years to come it's establishing a base of winning hockey and saying yes we'd like to compete for Stanley Cup year year after year after year of course but that's that's the main goal that is the mingle, is to be able to compete. Not necessarily to say, we are the perennial favorite. It's to be in that conversation every year. So they have to build up this infrastructure, and they have it. They have it now. Don't mortgage it off now. Don't start selling off pieces so you can bring in, like, a, I don't know, some rental guy. Like, that don't that usually don't really help. Right? Like, who was Washington's big rental last year? 
Uh, I don't know. Exactly. They brought in Kevin Shattenkirk like two years ago. That didn't really work. No. So that that time it didn't. You're right with that. And then the the, the big rentals in the in the the market last year were um, Ryan McDonough for Tampa Bay. That that helped, of course, but like that's helping them now. That's that was a long term acquisition. Um, JT Miller was also great, but that was a toss in. Uh, but then there's Rick Nash. That did nothing. Yeah. Right. So like, why would you go and 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 risk losing? He was already over the hill at that point. Though. Well, he was, but he was a rental, right? Like that was the point. Uh, and I don't want the Islanders to do that because they don't have to. Yes, I want them to compete, but I don't want them to to compete for Stanley Cup at the risk of losing out for years to come. Like if it means getting rid of a bellows for a guy that you're going to have for four months max, not even. I don't know why. No, I don't do that. I tend to agree with most of what you're saying. I think there's few exceptions to the rule, but for the most part, I'm pretty confident in the team that they have. And let's just say they do win one round and then get bounced in the second by, I don't know, Pittsburgh or Columbus or Washington, someone like that. Okay. I'd be completely fine with how this year went. And then you go into 2019, 2020, with, like I said, a ton of cap space. So you could sign uh, Mark Stone or Matt Duchesne if you really want to, to add to what you have. And then on top of that, maybe you throw in a Bellos on the roster next year or an Oliver Wallstrom or a Noah Dobson in a couple of years. And then twenty from 2019 to whenever, you're looking to be competitive for that Stanley Cup. Exactly. It's to build it. And... and, and- they're on pace to, to do well this year, but the idea is to build it for years to come. And I wouldn't want to mortgage too much to move ourselves up quicker now, because um, I, I don't, I'm not feeling the same pressure as like the Toronto Maple Leafs again. You know, to use the same example, I'm not feeling the same pressure. Like we need to win something, and we need to win something today. Um, we we don't have that pressure again. The, the Toronto Maple Leafs have no cap space, and they have to sign two players that are going to cost them at least ten million dollars a piece. How they do that, I have no idea. Um, maybe they do it, but like, pfft, I don't know how they're going to do it. We don't have that issue. We have to resign Andrews Lee, who's going to cost us maybe seven to max eight, max eight, eight million a year. That's fine. Right. And the, the salary cap is going up to like $83 million. Yeah. So that it's going to help you a little bit more too, because that's what an extra three and a half million. That's his increase. That's his, his, his wage raise. If he gets even eight, if he gets eight, that's his wage raise right there. And the Islanders still have $10 million, not considering Jordan Eberle is also probably coming off the books. That's $6 million. So without considering the cap going up, they have $16 million going into next season at this point. Without signing anyone, obviously, but you're still, you're signing Lee, you're probably signing uh, Nelson. But they're going to cost you, in terms of on the cap, like the extra amount, probably another, what, seven to $8 million combined extra? Right, because you got to figure what, like seven and five, maybe yeah. something like that. Yeah, and like you still have another eight million dollars in change to do something. That's a lot of That's money. Why I would look exactly. I would look for probably one of the two guys from Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Like you'll probably have to spend a little bit more than that, but you know the way the finances works, the others could probably make it work out. Anyways, the the idea here is that, like you said, their window is is not open. They're not a Stanley Cup contender right now. And that's fine. What they're trying to do is establish winning hockey, and they're doing that. So you go into next season with all that cap space, and you you try to bring in players 
it's not going to be the same as like, hey, we're the Islanders. You want to come play? No, thanks. Now it's going to be, all right, well, I'm at least interested. I will hear I will hear you out right. because you got a good coach, a good GM, and you got a good setup going on there. Why the heck not? Right. Like, let, let's think about it. Let's say we finish with 100 points, win a playoff round, have Barry Trotz and Lular Murillo and a new building coming in two years. You don't think that's enticing, even a little bit? Listen, I know that a lot of people in years past had the Islanders on their no trade clause list, but I don't. I really see this team going in a more positive direction, especially with their influx of youth and the two masterminds behind it all, Lula Murillo and Barry Trotz. Yeah. The arena situation will, will play into it because, yes, they still have technically two home arenas until Belmont opens. Although we'll see what happens next year. Maybe they just say, no, we're playing all of them at the Nassau Coliseum. Um, Lou was kind of coy about that. Um, and, and that would change things for sure. That would change the perspective on things because it's, it's a different atmosphere to play in. Um, players love playing in it. Uh, it. It changes the narrative from having two homes to just the one. Um, so you eliminate that negative. And so you, as a player and as a prospective free agent, you're looking at that going, there aren't too many negatives. Aside from this franchise hasn't been good in the past, but they darn done good recently. So why the heck not? Yeah, and all it takes is one guy to sign, and then you could start attracting even more free agents after that. Not that you want to build through free agency, but you have to add you know, pieces along the way. You want to know you can use that option. You don't want to know that when you head to free agencies, you're going to have to pay Andrew Ladd $5.5 million for five years with the, like, the most ridiculous trade production I've ever seen in my life. Seven. Seven years. Sorry, what did I say? Five? Five years. He has five Sorry. years left. Yes, I think that's where I was going with it. Yes, you're right. They gave him seven years, five and a half million dollars per with a full no move, a full no trade, and then a modified no trade clause where he couldn't go to 15 teams. Like, insane. Oh, not pretty rough. Uh, I think you're trying to get through 2019, 2020, and then maybe looking for a sucker after that. Seattle, man. Seattle. And I'm not calling them suckers. They're going to need to hit the floor. Uh, they might need a local boy, someone to put that C on, someone who's got rings on his finger. Like, It's really the perfect situation for for him and, and a franchise looking for their Marc-Andre Fleury. Right, and the fact that the Islanders have so many prospects, they could probably afford to throw a pick in there too to entice it. Yeah, although to be fair, Ladd has not been the poster boy for staying on the ice recently, so... I don't know if no. that that might not be very enticing to them. Probably not. So, so what do they do now? Right, like that's what we're trying to get at. I, I say they 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 stay the course this year. You don't do anything drastic. If a guy comes up like a Tarasenko or a Panarin or a whatever, you make the move. Um, if he has term, or if you know you can sign him, but you don't bring in a rental. If you if you know you're if you you have any doubt that you can sign him, don't bring him in. Yeah, so like I said earlier, I agree with that sentiment for the most part. I would just say that there are some outliers to this. And the fact that the Islanders have so much cap space, I don't feel like they'd be out on re-signing just about anybody. Okay, so you keep saying that they're outliers. Who are you talking about? Deshane and Panarin and Stone. As outliers for rentals, you mean? Yeah, because they're all on the final year of their contract. Like those... I could understand right. you saying like, oh, I don't want to trade for a Wayne Simmons for a few months. No. But to me, those are much more impact players than your average rental. But again, to me, it comes to can I keep them? If I have 
if I'm sure I can keep them, all right. And if Lou says he's sure he can try and he, and he doesn't end up doing it, like whatever, end up doing it, it doesn't end up happening because it's not always up to him, um, th- then whatever, that happens. Uh, but I want to know that if they're bringing guys in, is that they're trying to do it for the long term. I don't want them to bring guys in because they're looking at the short term is really what my point is. I don't want them looking at it through a short-term mentality saying, let's go for it now while we have a chance. Okay, sure, you have a chance, but you might be shooting yourself in the foot later on down the road, which is the entire point. The entire point and purpose of you guys coming in is to stabilize this franchise and give it winning hockey, not just once, but for multiple years to come. Good point. So, I... And I hopefully they listen, and I think they will. I don't think they'll do anything crazy. Now, I I really they, they might just bring bring in like a a Brendan Davidson type deal, not not him specifically, um, but you know, it's just like a defenseman to go for the playoffs. Maybe I could see that. Maybe if you're tired of Spiza and Pelic. Yeah, exactly. Like I I'm sure they're tired of Pelic, but they haven't done anything yet. So we'll see. No, I think they'd rather have an eighth option that they can use. So it may not be a guy that they play every night, but it's a guy that they know if they can, if they need to put him in the lineup because injuries happen, um, they can put in a guy that they they like. Whereas I don't think they they have that with Spisa. Kind of like, uh, oh God, what was his name? Uh, Zid Licky from a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow, good callback. Yeah, he was only an island there for that one year, but I thought he was okay. <laughs> Ten seconds. In his role. Yeah. yeah, no, he was perfectly fine for that. And I, and you're right. I think that's what they 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 try to do. Exactly. Uh, we mentioned the pipeline, Mitch, and one of those guys currently in the pipeline that is up, even though we technically got sent down today, but we know it's just because the NHL is on their All Star break, and that is Michael Dal Cole. He scored his first NHL goal this past week, and it's been a really interesting uh, journey for Michael Del Cole finally getting to the NHL and carving out a role with this team. So I wanted to, well, one, talk about the goal a little bit, and then a bit on his journey and expectations for him going forward. Okay. Um, are you, you're still calling him a bust? I'm going to go right for it. I think yeah, I would still say at this point yes. Okay. Yeah. I I didn't like agreeing with you then. I don't like necessarily agreeing with you now, but I have a hard time changing my mind just yet. Just because he's played in the NHL and scored a goal isn't like, but he's cured. He's cured. He's he's the same player all over again. You're like, mm, that's not necessarily the case. No, and especially since like he's a bust in terms of where you drafted him. If this was like Yeah. He was a fourth-round pick, and now it's like, oh, we got an okay third-line player out of fourth-round pick. That's great. Like, Casey Sezikis, right. for his value from, what was he, a fourth-round pick in 2009? Something like that? Yeah. I don't know if he was that late. I'll, I'll look it up. Keep making your point, and I'll, I'll look it up. But if you get someone in the mid to later rounds, and they turn into a third- or fourth-line player, and... A, a good one at that, like Casey Zekas, then yeah, that player has value. But if you have a top five pick that turns into that, that's not good value at all. You're expecting yeah. a top five pick to be a difference maker to your franchise. And Michael Dow Cole, despite 
having a nice little role on the third line is not a difference maker to this Islanders team. No, he's not. Uh, so Sezikis was drafted fourth round in 2009, uh, 92nd overall. So good call by you. Okay. Um, yeah, he's definitely not a difference maker. He, can he be? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Maybe down the road, but he isn't right now. On that fourth line, he isn't. Uh, if injuries take place, will he get the opportunity to move up the roster? Probably. Probably. Like, if Eberle goes, maybe he gets a first shot on, on, at, at that spot over a guy like Josh saying. Maybe. I'm not saying that's the right yes. call to make. It just seems like that's a Barry Trotzian thing to do. I I tend to agree with you, but I also think that there's been a lot of people, especially on Twitter, just saying that, Oh, Michael Del Cole has carved out a nice little role for himself on that third line, and he seems to be a perfect fit with those guys. I don't know if I would go that far. I think he's been okay, but I think I've seen a lot of pumping of the tires, Mitch. I don't know if it's like them trying to talk themselves into believing that Michael Del Cole is going to be an impact guy for the Islanders, or or if I'm just missing something here. I don't think you're missing something. I I don't think it's pumping the tires, but. I think it's seeing things in blue and orange colored glasses, which is fine. That's absolutely fine. You can do that. Um, but then allow yourself to be maybe a little disappointed in the end product. Uh, and maybe it's not. No, you know what? Like, I'm just going to go for it. Like, I was going to say, maybe it's not fair to say that because we haven't seen him for very long. But he's he's been fine. He's been absolutely fine. And I don't think it, maybe we should be starting this discussion by taking things away from him. We should be giving him things and then maybe be reducing it later on. Um, so let, let's talk about the goal first. Let's talk sure. about what he's done well and the good things. And then let's add things where you're like, well, okay, let's just take that with a little bit grain of salt though. Because I, I just don't want to be like ah, negative, negative after because he's done a positive thing where there are some so, not negatives, but like you know, there's more to this than 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 meets the eye. It's a very Transformer-like yeah. situation. Good good call. <laughs> so the goal that he scored was he went to the net. He was in a good scoring area, and he, he deflected the puck in. And it was like it wasn't like, oh, it accidentally went off his stick. No, he, he put his stick in the spot and tried. And it was a tough shot to deflect into, and he did a really good job of getting it in the net. And he was obviously extremely happy when he did uh, score that goal, and rightfully so, because... You know, like we mentioned, it was a long path for him, drafted in 2014, and now really getting his shot in 2018, 2019. Yeah, so he had his back to net. The, the, the thing that impressed me on the goal was the presence of mind to know where you are on the ice, um, the use of his body. Because remember, the, the big thing for Michael Dal Cole and, and the big call for him throughout his development was, was he's a big body at 6'3, 204. Uh, it's going to take him a little bit longer. Um, to know how to use that his his physicality and, and that's what you saw on that goal is that he established body position in front of the net. Sorry, I'm burping here. Um, it's very polite of me. Uh, he established body possession in front of the net, got that said position, got the inside position on the defenseman, and saw the slap pass coming from Scott Mayfield at the point, and was able to antis- not anticipate it, but see it coming and able to deflect the puck into the wide open net that Scott Wedgwood had left open. Um, But he had created that opportunity by using that one asset that has taken him so long to get used to, which is his frame, which was his defining characteristic in junior. Like He was a big kid in junior, and that's why he was so good at junior. He was just bigger than the kids around him. Uh, Not so much the case in the AHL. 
No, and that's why it took him a little bit longer to get adjusted in the AHL probably. And it's probably going to take some time in the NHL also. Um, I do like that. I feel like when he is playing on that third line, he is using the body a little bit mm-hmm. more and being a little bit uh, defensive-minded also because Komarov and Filipula are very defensive-minded forwards. Well, he gets most but, of his zone starts on the defensive end, right? Like he's had 51% of his zone starts in the defensive zone. Right. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is when there's a puck along the boards and he's fighting for it, it doesn't look like he is doesn't belong on the ice. Right. I guess. Yes. He belongs. He belongs on that third line. It's just that kind of seems like the ceiling at this point. Right. And I think in his four games last year, I don't think it looked like he belonged. It, he just it didn't look like he did really that much of anything when he was on the ice. No. Last year, where this year it looks like he's having, he definitely is having a much more of an impact. You're right. And, and a third line player isn't anything to shake at. The third line for the Pittsburgh Penguins arguably won them their second cup. Or it was its first one. I think it was the second one. The HBK line. That was their third line. And they they, yeah. they arguably won them the Stanley Cup. Like, and, and Brock Nelson put up 45 points for years on that third line. Like, You can still have a good career playing a third on the third line. And it looks like that's where his ceiling is. He, he might be able to ascend above that. He might be able to. But at this point, it really just seems like that ceiling is, is, is the third line. And this is where we're, we're, we're starting to get into the grain of salt. Like the mythology of like he scored his first goal. He broke he broke the seal. He's going to like take a rocket ship up the standings in, in terms of the depth chart of, on, on the Islanders. Well, let's let's tone that down a little bit. Let's do the Ross Geller and just tone it down because um, he's a good player and he's a good third line player at this point. Yeah, exactly. And I think the point I was trying to make earlier is if you get a mid-round draft pick that turns into a third-line player, that's great. That's good value. But when it's a top-five pick, I think that's when it kind of leaves you with that sour taste in your mouth, saying you probably want a little bit more from that. Yeah, but I think at this point, now that, like you mentioned, he was a top-five pick in 2014, we are arguably five years in and we're just seeing the rewards at this point you're kind of like I'll take anything I'll take anything if he can play at the NHL great this is this is a win for us because it's like in economics you have certain things where when you when you make something and you don't sell it right away it goes into your inventory and if you eventually sell it later whatever the price point you sell it at it's still a profit because you were supposed to sell it something else and you didn't and it's just it's just been sitting there accumulating dust and that's essentially what we're getting with Michael Dalcole is that the return on investment was or should have been higher, and it isn't. But we'll take whatever we can get because at this point, he's just sitting there collecting dust. Um, and now he's finally doing something. You're like, I'll take it. I'll take third line Michael Dalcole, and I'll call that a win um, because I don't want to take an L. I guess. And if he, look, if he never made it to the NHL, then that would be a complete L. But at this point, I'm still not moving off of my bus stance, though. Yeah, that's Not yet anyway. That's fair. That, that that's fair. Like obviously, like he's got two points in thirteen games. Like he's gonna have to do more to earn that. Like, sorry, let let me let me go uh, kiss the shoe of Gus Cole as penance for for your your hot take. Like it's gonna take more than one NHL goal. 
Um, but it seems like he's trending in the right direction. I think it's ultimately what we're trying to get at is that he's trending in the right direction. He's doing what he needs to do right. And he's got a coach that believes in him in terms of at least what he's being deployed for. And that's a good thing for Michael Doc Cole. That is only going to be good. And, and yes, he's down right now. But like, look, he was named to the AHL All-Star game. They're sending him down to play. Um, and there's one game at least. But like, would you rather him play one game than none? Yeah, probably. Like, Get, get him some reps. Get him the AHL game that he's deserved. Might as well. Yeah, I agree. So I... Not gonna lie, I did have a mini heart attack for a second when I got the notification that said that Taze and Dal Cole were sent down, and then I realized, oh yeah, the Islanders don't play for two weeks. Yeah, and I calmed down. But like that initial reaction was just like that feeling, like my stomach turned <laughs> for a second. I was like, oh wait, no, hold on. It was it was it's Josh was saying creeping up again. He went, woohoo! <laughs> Tried to do my my best ICQ impersonation there, and it didn't work too well. That's okay. People above the age of twenty will know what ICQ is. Or was ICQ? Yeah. See, you're too you're too young. ICQ was before MSN, so was it before? It was like a chat program. You can download this chat program called ICQ, and whenever you would get a message, it would go. Oh, is that like AIM? Sure. Whatever. You, Do you know what AIM is? Yes, I know what AIM is. Okay. Um, I don't know what they have in Canada. We don't have <laughs> AIM necessarily, but I know what AIM is. Um, okay. Yeah. It we. For me, the, the the progression of my chat history, where I would like spend way too long sitting in front of a computer just chatting to people, was it went from ICQ to MSN to like MySpace, and then I got into the real world. <laughs> I left my basement. Well, not technically, because you're recording That's a podcast true. in your basement right now. <laughs> my basement. Dang, and I haven't <laughs> left the damn basement. Oh, no. That's all right, Mitch. Um, okay, so as far as Michael Del Cole, yes, he's trending in the right direction, but just keep an eye on his progression, I guess, is the point we're trying to make. That's right. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so moving along now, the Islanders had a ton of question marks for the, from before the season started. I think you wrote something before the season saying, listing out all these questions. So do we want to run through some of them and try and answer them now? As at the All-Star break? Okay, let's do that. So the f- there are five questions. I think we can look at them one by one and, and have um, and be able to answer them one, one at a time. So the first sure. one is, uh, is there going to be room for youth on this team? So when the season started, we'd seen the roster and we'd seen players like, sorry, burping again, Valtteri Filippola, Leo Komarov, uh, Tom Kunagel, Matt Martin, no, to be fair, Matt Martin at that point was still just like a fourth line player, like add him to the list of fourth line players being added to this roster. Meanwhile, we had Taves, Bellows, and at least Hosang, those three battling for a spot. And it didn't seem like there was going to be any room for them. So the question was, how are we eventually going inter- to integrate these guys? Because you have to. They are at a point where they are t- they are above the AHL. So you ha- Well, maybe not Bellows, but at least two of them. What do you do? Is there going to be room for these guys? Yeah, I think the answer to that was injuries was the initial reason for them getting their opportunity. I mean, Thomas Hickey going down was why Devin Tays got called up or Devon Tays got called up. And uh, as for Josh Hosang, it was the Jordan Eberle injury, no? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it was the idea that they weren't going to give them roster. And I guess technically there isn't space for 
for youth right now. Although there could be, um, there isn't space in terms of forwards, right? So if all the forwards were healthy, if Andrew Ladd comes back, I would expect Michael Dalcole to go back down. Yeah. But on the back end, if Thomas Hickey comes back, I don't expect Devin Tays to go down. Look, Arthur Staple was no. surprised that he was sent down today. Yeah, he, he definitely was. Um, but I, I don't see a possible way you can send down Taze. I really don't. He has been he's given you more than Adam Pellick, Lucas Spiza. And even though I think Thomas Hickey is a fine defenseman, I think his skilling is even higher than Thomas Hickey's. Oh sure, but like I, I would Yeah. I would I, I hmm, what am I trying to say here? I don't want to bench Thomas Hickey in favor of Devin Taves. Um, I, I wanted Thomas Hickey. To me, it's you can't justify or argue for me that the Devin Tate's position is better served giving to either Adam Pellick or Lucas Pisa. You can't. You can't. No, no. That's un, un, unquestionable. No. Um, and so to me, that's the idea here is that there is room for youth if youth comes out. And and youth, like Dalacole has not outplayed Andrew Ladd. A healthy Andrew Ladd will get you more than what Dalacole is giving you now. Um, maybe not the question for Joshua saying, although production is definitely there. Um, but when it comes to the defenseman, Devin Taves gives you more than Adam Pellick. It gives you more than, 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 than um, Lucas Pisa, unquestionably. So if and when Tomasiki comes back, what do they do with that? And I think they move Spisa. I think they do something with Spisa. They either wave him or buy him out. They do whatever they can to get him off the roster and they keep Devin Taves around. Yeah, I definitely can see them waving Spiza and then Devontae's staying with Scott Mayfield because mm. him and Mayfield together have been an extremely solid pair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't. To, so that answers the question: Is there room for youth? Yes, in the right circumstance, they won't there make room for youth. But if youth finds a way, they'll make room for them. Exactly. I think that's the best way to describe it. Uh, and then our next question is: Can Robin Leonard be good? Uh, <laughs> so about that uh, yeah I think by good like we mentioned earlier in the show like we would have accepted 915 he's giving you 930 I want to bring it actually up um, just to see I, so here it is I feel like we agreed on 918 I don't know why that number is sticking out but I feel like that's the number we pinned down for him at the start of the year I think it's because the season previous that was the average Okay. Uh, I just want to bring the original one up, and I want to look at what we said in terms of uh, if Leonard can get back a nine twenty, uh, get back to the nine twenty goalie, the Islanders immediately give themselves a, a great chance to make some noise in the Metropolitan Division this season. Is what we wrote. That's exactly what's happening right now. Um, we didn't think he could do that. We really didn't think so. That's why we asked the question: Can he be good? And and in good, like you said, was league average. If we can get league average from him, that's good. He's giving us well above that right now. And it, it's not an aberration. It's not like it's a small sample size or he's just getting lucky. It's not that. He's if he if you want to go down the luck road, he is generating his own luck. He has the best safe percentage and best goals against average in the league. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's best goals against. I don't. It was yesterday. Sorry, was it goals against or save percentage that he's not the best? Like, the guy from L.A. is right on his heels, if not better than him. Well, how many games did he play? He's um, ah, close. I think he's even played more. 
Toronto's up 4-2 against Washington. Yes, 5-2 now, actually. Oh, yes, Washington keeps losing. Um, Where am I, players? NHL.com, your site. I just Maybe it's me. I'm the common denominator here, so maybe it's, it's my fault. Uh, let's bring it up now. So what I like to do is I like to bring up the goalie summary on NHL.com. And I refine the results to say like 15 games played because we're at the, the halfway mark. 15 games is, is usually a starter in, the, in that stretch. And save percentage, Robin Leonard's at the top with a, three, a 931. Tied though. He's tied with Jack Campbell from LA who's played 17 games. So 10 less than Robin Leonard. Okay. So that'll do it. Um, he has a 202 which is top of the league again um, by far. Like Jack Campbell, the guy next to him, is a 219. And then after wow. that, it's Ben Bishop with a 237. That's crazy. So the, the reason why I thought that was because on I was on Hockey Reference, and they bold it usually when you lead the league. Yes. And it has the 931 and 202 bolded. But I didn't realize he was tied he, at 931. He's tied. I'm sure there's a tiebreaker somewhere, and it's probably like you were mentioning the number of games played. Robin Leonard's played 27 to Jack Campbell's 17. Yeah, that definitely makes a difference. So the only and like I I, I tweeted this out yesterday. Like Robin Leonard is playing himself into a Vezina, into the Vezina topic or a conversation, and someone replied saying, "I wish I had the confidence to say something that stupid." Um, but when you think about it, like he's not that far off. The only thing that he doesn't have is a number of games played. So like I'm sorry, he hasn't played 44 games like Marc Andre Fleury. Which is insane. I think they've played forty-eight. That's ridiculous. But Flurry's a, a nine-eleven and two-fifty. Robin Leonard is as point five less goals against on average, and is stopping two percent more of the shots he's facing. This is almost like, and I don't necessarily want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway, just so I can work this in here. This is almost like the situation with Jacob Degrom and the Cy Young. Because he didn't have a good win-loss record, but he had the best ERA in the league by a long shot. And everyone was saying, the old guard is going to say, well, the win-loss record isn't there. Well, the new guard is going to say ERA is more important. Michael Kinda Wilbon like, against analytics. Yeah. For some reason, win, his quote, win the damn win game. Win the damn game. Which is absolutely insane, but I digress. The point being that I feel like the number of games played for a goalie and wins for a goalie is similar to wins for a starting pitcher in baseball where that's not as much controllable and that's more of a team thing where goals against average and ERA definitely has more of a correlation and a better tool to evaluate a goalie by. Yeah, in terms of his quality. Um, the only thing that that's flying Leonard is that he was out for so long. Uh, and, and and Thomas Grice is is right there. He's not as good, but he's not far off whatsoever. Well, it's a nine nine twenty and a what like two thirty something goals against average. Nine twenty two fifty is what Grice oh, is okay. with fourteen wins. So like the thing is with, with even with the wins column, like Leonard isn't far out. He's the eighteenth winning this goalie in the NHL right now with fifteen, and there's like four of them tied at that three. There's three of them. Uh, but at the rate that he's winning, you can you can see him jumping up to 19 wins pretty quick. And like 19, the the first goalie with 19 wins on, on this ranking is ranked sixth. 
If he has these numbers and he's ranked sixth in terms of wins, you have to put him in the Vezina conversation. You have to. Because he's leading in goals against and save percentage. The two major metrics to establish a goalie's quality. And he's sixth in the NHL in wins. Of course, I, I'm projecting now. I'm giving him another four wins that he doesn't currently have. But we're talking about four mm-hmm. wins against goalies like Jacob Markstrom from Vancouver. Like, he's not going to keep this up with 19 wins in 36 games. And even then, 19 and 36, like, what's his, what's, I haven't done the math, but Robin Leonard's win ratio has to be pretty high up there at 15 and 25. 15, I'll do that right now. 15. Well, it's just like we can bring up his. It's obviously 60%. 60% wins. It's obviously better than some of them in there, but I haven't seen what the field is like. But like Freddie Anderson with 21 and 33, is, you know, that's pretty good. That That's, that's obviously more. But the question is, can Robin Leonard be good? And the answer is yes. Absolutely, he can be good. There you go. So, all right. Next question. The next question was about the defense. Was it the issue of defense last year? The system or the players? Like, were the players garbage or was the system garbage? And I, again, for this question, I think we have a resounding easy answer. Yes, now we know that it was the system. I think before the season, I said it was a little bit of both, but I think we've it's been pretty clear that it's definitely the system. Yeah, they, they've shaved off 57 goals against in the same time span. So, like, between the start of the season in January, what day are we, 23rd, the Islanders have shaved off 57 from their record of last year. Um, they're not allowing people to access the blue line like they were last year, so their gap control is, is insane. Um, and and they're keeping shots out of the slot and it passes out of the slot. So like they're doing everything you need to do to make sure that you're limiting the opportunities that the opposition is going to get, which is what you need to do in hockey. Like You're still going to get scored on. This is just minimizing the number of times that the opposition might find themselves in a position to score. Exactly. And, and it's a systemic thing. Like the players, like if just add more quality to this roster and oh my God, what are they going to do? This is insane. Absolutely. It, I, that That's another point that I made in the thing that I wrote about the uh, window just opening. Yeah. Like, yeah, think, look at how good they're playing right now in this system, but just think when they add even more talent to it. Yeah. This is an idea. This isn't a team with like a core of aging vets that they try to build around that they're trying to squeeze any last bit of, uh, of, of production out of like, like washing capitals. They're trying to squeeze anything they can out of like Oshi, Backstrom, Carlson, Holtby, um, or, or Pittsburgh with, Crosby and Malkin and and Matt Murray, I guess maybe not Matt Murray, but Chris Letang. Uh, we're not in that position. We have Matthew Barzell as like our core of like high quality players, and, and that's really it. Like, and, and you can say Anders Lee's a high quality player, but like you can argue that he's not necessarily. So they still have quality to add to this roster. They're not there yet. So like like you're saying, that ceiling. Man, they're not even close to hitting the ceiling. So, like, if you no. you it, it was like you at the Coliseum if you were five foot two. There's no way you're scraping your knuckles on that ceiling when you're celebrating a goal. No, that's how far no. they are from the ceiling. Yes, but when in like two years when they're like six foot four, twenty one year old Matthew who <laughs> breaks his wrist after <laughs> a, a, a overtime winning goal. <laughs> Then, then, then we know they've reached the ceiling. They'll have fully matured by then. So, is next yes. year their rebellious teenage years? Oof. Oof. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next question was: 
can Josh Bailey still do the Josh Bailey without John Tavares? <laughs> yeah, he can. Yeah, he yeah. can. He's, again, again, burping. Uh, this beer is really making me burp. I'm, I'm drinking Rolling Rock from uh, St. Louis. It's fantastic, by the way. Um, an extra pale ale. Really delicious. Um, obviously, he can do it, but we predicted he, that it would. there would be a regression. He wasn't going to be a 71-point player. We figured there's going to be a drop-off, but it's not going to be back to 2012 Josh Bailey. No, he's still on pace for 62 points this year. Which is a great return. He hasn't looked fantastic the last couple of games, yes, but that is a recency bias. Don't say like he's a bad player because he hasn't played well in two games. That's not true. No, and if I was a betting man, which I am, I think he's going to have a pretty good second half. Yeah, sure. I, I can totally agree with that. He needs to get better on the power play. If there's one area where he does miss John Tavares, it's on that power play. Yeah, that's probably when you notice it the most, right? It's clear. It's clear that that's where he doesn't have the same support. Or like when he's trying to get the puck off the wall and he's giving it to Cal Clutterbuck instead of John Tavares. Obviously. Uh, yes, he misses him uh, in that regard. But he's doing well outside of that. And he's still doing okay on the power play. It's not the same numbers. Um, so if anything, yes, he misses him there. But it hasn't been like, I don't have John Tavares. I'm now going to put up 30 points. No, no, I don't have John Tavares, and I'll still put up 60 points. Right. Obviously, it's not going to be the 71 unless he goes really off in the second half. But if I can get 60-plus points from Josh Bailey for $5 million a year, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, that. exactly. You're, you have him for $5 million, and he's giving you 60 points. That's good return. Right. You would th- How I do it, and I don't know if that's necessarily the right way to do it, but for... When I look at someone's cap hit, I think, okay, what production would I be okay with? And for $5 million against the cap, I think you're looking at like 45 points or more. Oof. Yeah, maybe. I, I would say, yeah, 50, but like at this point, we're splitting hairs, really. So I, I get, I think that's a, a good way of looking at it. Like, what, what would, what's your line? If, if he's giving you less than that, then obviously that's not good. It's just establishing what that line is. I think it's relative to the league because no one's going to be comfortable uh, with Brock Nelson signing a five million dollar deal or more. But but guess what? Like that's that's what it is in the in today's NHL. Like that's a five million dollar player. Sorry, just inflation. Right. And if let's say Brock Nelson does sign for five million dollars, like there's I don't really think there's a comparison between him and Bailey. I think Bailey is the much better player. Yep, one hundred percent agreed. Agreed. So we'll see. They haven't signed him yet. We'll see if they do. Um, the last one that we had is, can the fourth line fly again? Yes. Yeah. yeah. They, they start every period. They start every game. Um, they had one little oopsie, like one bad five seconds yesterday, uh, and that's it. This whole, this, this entire season, they've had one five-second slip-up. Yeah. All things considered, if the fourth line costs you one out of 49 games, I think you'd be okay with that. Yes, exactly. And I don't even know if they cost us a game. They, they, they definitely didn't win us the game uh, on that occasion. But yeah, even if they did cost you the game, you're right. Like <laughs> That's one. That's fine. And you still got a point out yeah. of it. Too. And, and they got benched. So they got their, their hands raped over the coals. Are they are raked? Is it raked? Not raped. <laughs> you're a little dark this episode. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know why that came out raped instead of raked. I guess raping hands. I I wasn't thinking of it uh, of, of the the word rape, but just like I thought the action of of raping hands over coals was the right word. But it's obviously raking because why would you rape hands over? That doesn't even make any sense. No sense. No sense. That's all right. no sense. Um. So yeah, obviously they can fly. Obviously, and like Case Zekas is having a career year. Matt Martin's got five goals already. He had eight in the last two seasons. So like. <laughs> Things are going well, and Cal Clutterbuck just put up three goals in the last three games, so that's a thing. Yes, the fourth line, especially of late, has been uh, much better. And, so. and that's talking about their production. That's not talking about the effect that they have on the ice. Oh, no, and that's, I think, like that feels like the given, their effect on the ice. You know, when, when they're out there, they definitely make the difference and are, um, what's the word I'm looking for, a momentum shifter yes. line? And and then on top of that, you add a little bit more production. That's fantastic. Phenomenal. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Want to get into some social stuff before we get out yeah, of here? Yeah, I have one. I don't know if you have it as well. I don't think you do, but maybe. All right. Hit me with it. Okay. So today, uh, January 23rd, uh, Peter Shirelli was fired by the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, you, <laughs> I did it. Wagon. I did take that it from mine. you. <laughs> Um, I'll ha- I have another one. Though. Okay, good. Isles blog, to their credit, put out a fire tweet. It was perfect. And it says, Peter Shirelli fired, fired in all caps, despite having helped build a first place team. And there's a picture of Johnny Boychuk, Matt Barzell, Anthony Bobilia, <laughs> and Jordan Everlay. And it's just slow clap. Just slow clap. Good job. Good job. That's a good tweet. Oh, man. It's perfect. I wasn't going to mention that tweet specifically, okay. even though I did I did see it. So shout out to Isles Blog. That was a really good one. But the point I was going to make is that the Islanders are going to really miss Peter Shirelli. <laughs> They're the biggest losers here. Garth Snow is going to miss Peter Shirelli. He can't get a job now. He can't. Well, I, I made some good trades. Yeah, but that loser is gone. So like, who are you going to make a trade with now? And just like, I don't know. Emo- shrug maybe emoji. Edmund- maybe he'll get Edmonton's job. <laughs> <laughs> you co- you GM'd one team with orange and blue. Come in and do this one. Yeah, let's try this one out. Yeah, and he's just like praying that Peter Shirelli finds a way to find another job somewhere. Oh, man, what a <laughs> screw-up he was in Edmonton. I had another one. Okay. It's a birthday shout-out. Happy 52nd birthday to Leo Komarov. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't get the joke. He's 30. He's 30. Oh. <laughs> He's not he's not fifty two. But he's very old. I should have said <laughs> a more outrageous he's number two than fifty two. He's younger than I am. He he's he's <laughs> not even walking it back a little bit. No, he's got three more years left on his contract too with the modified no trade clause. Yeah, so happy birthday, Leo Komarov. Your gift is that outrageous contract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving for three years. <laughs> Thank you, Uncle Leo. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get some plugs out of the way before we get out of here, Mitch. So wherever you are listening to this show, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review all that fun stuff. It really helps with our searchability and allows us to create more content. We appreciate that. You could also follow us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My personal Twitter is at Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch's is at TLO Mitch. You can like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash eyes on aisles. You could also subscribe to our Patreon where we do post game shows for every single game 
all 82. You will get a post-game show for 5 bucks a month. Definitely worth it. Check that out if you're interested. Uh, Patreon.com slash Eyes on Isles. You can go to the website or download our app, the Eyes on Isles app, for all your New York Islanders needs. And I think that'll do it, Mitch. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to number 76, my friend. Yes, so next week we'll get to number 76. Enjoy the week off from New York Islanders hockey, but don't worry, we'll be back just next week. Watch the All-Star game. It's going to be fun. It definitely is going to be fun. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.